Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low, the rough ground shall become level, the rugged places are plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all mankind together will see it, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass rivers and the flowers fall because of the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass rivers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God stands forever. You who bring good tidings to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good tidings to Jerusalem, lift up your voices with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and his arm rules for him. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good to see you. I love the snow last weekend. Who else did? Or maybe it was a nuisance. But I really enjoyed it. And I love the surprise it was of its unexpected arrival. And as we started Advent season, we've been looking at this theme of home. And it's in this season that we anticipate the most unexpected arrival that the world has ever seen. The arrival of God into the world, as we just read about in the passage. About a year ago, I might have told you that I was really great at loving dogs. But you would have been very right to question that if you knew me. Because actually, I wasn't very used to them at all. I was generally very wary of them. And I was actually quite nervous around them. And the only experience I had was my soft toy dog. Now, though, in Sheffield, it's a different story because now I have the joy of living in the same house as one, a lovable cockapoo called Nugget. And now I'm exposed to dogs in all their highs and lows. And I'm still yearning and still have a long way to go, but I can now just about stroke him and just about hold him at least for a few minutes without dropping him. It's been a journey, but now by being in close proximity, by living in the same house as Nugget, I'm much more able to love and look after him than I was before. Because the thing is, the whole story changes, right? When somebody comes close enough to actually drown, make their home with us. It then makes sense that they can actually comfort us. That they can actually confront the things that endanger us. And actually help to carry us through life. Because actually by sharing their home with us, they have access to us in a whole new way. Just by being in close proximity in the mess and beauty of life. How much more so with the God who created time and space itself, who enters into it. The infinite embracing the finite. The artist entering into the paint itself. The one who sustains breath itself beginning to breathe that same air. The author stepping into the very story he wrote. The word, the source of life itself becoming flesh and drowning among us. How much more that changes the whole story. I wonder if today we can begin to be amazed by this again. As Isaiah says, he says, You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. 
No wonder that he can't help but lift up his voice to shout about it. I wonder if today we can share in Isaiah's excitement of this great news. So today we're going to go on a journey of discovering why this God coming home to us is such good news. Why in the midst of a weary season post-COVID, when everything feels so uncertain and volatile, that actually this is worth celebrating, a reason to rejoice and find hope again in the here and now. So the first reason I want to suggest that God, why God coming home to us and coming home among us is such great news is because it brings us comfort like nothing else can. In the beginning of the passage that we read, um, Isaiah starts off saying, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed. Here, Isaiah speaks prophetically, saying, Comfort, comfort my people. And he's speaking to a people weary and exhausted, despairing from being in exile, a season that has been a long, dark night. Maybe that sounds familiar, right? As we come out of, from COVID, exhausted, weary, where it perhaps feels like there's been so much lost, so much to mourn, lament and grieve, where it feels like how long? And perhaps the hope of things ever going back to how they were feels like a distant, fanciful wish. I wonder if maybe today we need to hear a fresh like, whisper of God through the words of Isaiah saying, comfort, comfort my people. But naturally, of course, words aren't just enough to bring about comfort. Because naturally, true comfort comes from knowing somebody is with us in the pain. That somebody truly gets it. That somebody empathises with us. That somebody truly understands it. And not only that, but stands and shares in the pain with us. In this transition season, moving to um, Sheffield, I've actually found there's been quite a bit more mourning than I anticipated of leaving Durham and even those uni days behind. But one thing I found a real comfort is catching up with friends who have also left Durham and uh, speaking to them and realising that actually we're in a similar place of feeling, yeah, finding the transition hard of how I get it, of how I'm not alone, I'm not the only one on a journey and we're on a journey togetherness and that's brought such comfort. How much more of a comfort is that miracles and miracles, God himself, God of the universe comes among us, that he steps into the darkness, the pain, the sorrow, that he would come to be born in a manger to walk as one of us in human flesh, that he would actually experience the whole range of human emotions that we go through, joy, love, sadness, loss, pain, tiredness, weariness, stress. That he's the God who walks close with us, that he's even the God who would weep with us. He's the God, he gets it, he understands how crazy is that, that he's a God who would even suffer. That actually there's nothing that we go through that he hasn't already gone through. Because here as he walked among us, as in human skin on this earth, he experienced pain, betrayal. And would ultimately bleed on a very cross made from wood that he had created. That he'd even cry human tears. He comes alongside us. He's the God who empathises with our weakness. He comes close to the brokenhearted. And I love where Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And sometimes it's in the seasons of deepest mourning that we see most the depth of his comfort. And this isn't an abstract thing, because God actually became flesh and actually embraces our finite nature. He's the God who comes home to us in the vulnerability and weakness of human flesh and skin. And he stands with us and is able to bring comfort like nobody else. 
the second way that I think we can, that God coming home among us is such great news worth celebrating, is that he actually is able to confront the darkness both around us and within us. He doesn't just stand with us, put an arm around us, but he's actually done something about it. He actually comes close enough to restore us, to confront and deal with the issue itself. The price is paid because he's the only one able to do it. The only one perfect enough to die, that perfect sacrifice to be able to forgive, redeem and restore us. As we've read, Isaiah speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. It's been completed. He has done it. As he cried out, it is finished. And not only that, but he removes the obstacles that stand in the way of us being able to see God. Isaiah uses this image of building a highway. He says, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made yo. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places are plain. I imagine it a bit like building a railway. You may not know, but I have a strange fascination for railway viaducts. In Durham, I'd be that guy that would cycle off into the countryside and find a railway viaduct somewhere, and I'd wait in the cold for like 15, 10 minutes, not knowing how long it would take for a train to come to take a photo. But the thing is that amazed me was the hard work that had been done. The hard work had been done by engineers to make a smooth path through the undulating landscape so that people could travel across it. Hard work that had been done so a highway could be made. How much more now is highway that we can travel across this God's glory? By coming and making home among us, he removes the obstacles of the darkness, sin and imperfection separating us from being able to get to God. There's no more separation, no distance. As we read about in John earlier, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. Now we can see his glory and know him, the one full of grace and truth. We can now see the all-powerful one, the mighty one, entering the neighbourhood. This isn't just anybody but the one for whom all things are possible. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm as Isaiah cries. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. He is powerful, sovereign, mighty. He's actually able to restore and rebuild and lead us into life in all its fullness and into light. And I love how Isaiah says a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Because actually he comes close into our barren places, into our wildernesses, the places that are thirsty and dry, where there isn't much life, but perhaps feels desolate and empty. Maybe that's how we feel after COVID. But the good news is that that's exactly the place where God enters into. Those are the places where a highway is prepared for God to enter into, and he brings healing there. He comes into the brokenness to actually bring about new life because he actually is resurrection. Because he comes home among us, he is able to shine in the darkest and most barren places of our hearts that we'd rather hide away from. Because the thing is, it makes all the difference who it is that comes to us. Once I was kayaking at uni and um, on some white water and it was massively out of my comfort zone and was totally out of my depth, literally. And it was so encouraging though, having much more experienced kayakers with me who knew the wither inside out. After capsizing once, I was praying that I wouldn't capsize again 
And then there was this notorious scored section and it ended up going under and almost using my paddle. And in a way that completely baffles me to this day, I don't know how, but I somehow managed to flip back up again and grab onto my paddle and continue, in which there was a cheer from the riverbank. They thought I'd done some trick, but I really hadn't. <laughs> it was encouraging being with kayakers at Nubu River inside out, but how much more it was encouraging being with the one who actually made the river and was in ultimate control of it. That's the amazing wonder of God coming home to us. Not only is he much more experienced at navigating the waves of life than us, but he's actually the one who actually made the ocean. So not only he knows how to surf the waves, but ultimately has all power and authority over them. Because true peace doesn't come from never experiencing storms, but in knowing the one who made the sea, it's the one with us and who comes to us, walking in the wind and the waves. And that's the amazing thing about God coming home to us. He's the one who's actually able to confront the darkness both the darkness around us and within us, because he is the one, he actually created light. And not only that, but actually is the light itself, the light that shines in the darkness and which the darkness can never overcome. A third reason I want to suggest why God coming to home to us is it's really such great news, as well as to comfort, to confront the darkness around and within us, is that he carries us. At the end of the passage we read in Isaiah, it finishes off with this, um, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently yields those that have long. I love how he gets us to where we need to be. He is our true north, leading us home. But the one who comes alongside us actually makes his home with us on the journey. I love this image of a shepherd who gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them because he carries the weight. He carries the weight of our sin, shame, sorrow and burdens. He carries the weight of the world on his shoulders so that we don't have to. It's his shoulders that the government was rest on, not ours. What a relief that is. He carries us through, not in our own strength, but in his. And all we need to be are lambs, children in our father's arms. When we no longer have the strength to walk, that's when we can experience the freedom of being carried. Spiritual maturity is far less about growing up and becoming more independent, but instead growing to be more like children, even more dependent on our Heavenly Father. It's actually at the end of our rope that we often end up being at the start of receiving His infinite help. He wants to be involved in the messiness and everyday details of life. I love how Isaiah says he carries us close to his heart because there we see his heart, that he cares about us. He's not distant emotionally, but there's this invitation into intimacy. We see how he wants to share his heart with us and also this invitation to share our hearts with him, how he wants to do life with us and journey with us and walk with us. He doesn't just want to help us begrudgingly and carry us at arm's length, but he's so willing to come close just like Jesus, God himself, reaches out and touches the leper. He holds us when we can't hold ourselves. Those same hands that hold the universe together wants to hold us too. The one whom was held in his mother's arms is now the one able to hold us in our delicate hearts. And it's in that place of being held that he does what we cannot do. He's the one able to rescue us, set us free, intercede on our behalf, it's his strength in our weakness. 
It's not about being strong enough, but about being weak enough to need him. And there's this challenge to let go of our own self-reliance and dependence. I know I find this so hard. And actually, it's not about our faithfulness in carrying ourselves through, but actually his faithfulness in carrying us. And that's one of the things I love about um, going onto the streets to chat to and pray for people. Because so often in that place, I don't know what I'm doing. I really don't have a plan to carry out. But it's exactly there in that place of weakness where we experience the joy and intimacy of being carried. And I've often found it's in that very place that God often shows up and meets the people. That's the amazing freedom. It doesn't have to be at our power, but his. That's the amazing freedom about being carried is that it's not about our might, but his. It's so much better that way of being carried. There's so much freedom allowing our finite nature to be carried and embraced by his infinite being. Isaiah 40, he later builds on this theme of what it's like to be carried. He finishes off this tra- tra- um, Isaiah 40 with, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary in his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. He became weak, vulnerable and helpless as one of us, so that he could strengthen the weak, vulnerable and helpless. And he gently leads us. We don't have to be in charge or in control. We don't have to be the captain of our own ships. We don't have to carry the burden that is his. And Jesus speaks of his invitation to be carried, of allowing him to carry the burden and wait in partnership with him. As he says in the Gospels, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and yearn for me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's this invitation to be carried by him. And that's where we find true rest. So in conclusion, he comforts us. He confronts the darkness both around us and within us. And he carries us. How is this possible? All because God comes close. Because he actually comes home to us. As Jesus walks and given, drowning among us in our skin. We don't have to go looking for him. Because he's already come looking for us. And he comes unexpectedly in this Advent narrative. But in that way, after this challenge, this Advent season, do we welcome him? Do we welcome him in the unexpected places of life? Do we prepare a way for him? Do we make room for him? Because as Isaiah says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. I wonder, do we prepare a way for that unexpected arrival of hope? of light and life itself, born into an unexpected place in that humble, crude cradle. Because so often God is closer than we imagine and wants to show up in the least likely ways and the least likely places in the brokenness and hurt that we carry. So I wonder if this is the Advent season we can afresh welcome him, prepare a way for the coming king, the God of time and space, be all for himself, entering into the story. His name is Jesus. 
now we're just going to um, enter into a song of reflection on this theme of, of the arrival of this God that would enter into the story. And here's this challenge of will we welcome him in? Will we hail the arrival of the King? So I wonder whether, as we just sit in this song, and whether we can just reflect of, yeah, we can reflect on the ways that we, perhaps we need God to come in, where we can open up our hearts afresh, those places that perhaps we want to hide from, where we can prepare the way, those wilderness places where we can prepare the way and make room for him. Yeah, Jesus, thank you that you do come close. Thank you for that most unexpected arrival that the God of time and space itself would enter into the story. I thank you because of that, we can actually find comfort that you actually confront the darkness around us and within us, that you actually do carry us. So I pray now that you would meet with us and you would reveal those areas in our hearts where we need to prepare room for you and prepare a way for you to come in. I thank you that you do come close. Amen. Oh,